let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. The Ten Commandments, you've heard them twice today, and we read them every Sunday during Lent, so I thought it might be worth taking a little time to talk about them. It is glorious that interspersed between the commands we sing, Lord have mercy upon us, and incline our hearts to keep this law. I want to talk about those two aspects of the commandments. The, the aspect of the commandments that drives us to seek God's mercy because the commandments expose our sin and make us need, make us know that we need a redeemer. And then on the far side of our redemption, of the Lord coming to dwell within our hearts, he writes these laws on our hearts and gives us an aspiration to live them for they are the path of life for the redeemed. So first, the fact that it's appropriate to cry out for mercy when we read or sing the Ten Commandments. The commandments are supposed to show us how to love God and to love our neighbors. But it's not that simple, is it? Because, well, we don't love God. We don't love our neighbors. We love ourselves. And there's plenty in the narrative of leading up to Mount Sinai that shows us it's not going to be that simple. And then, because the, the Israelites grumble throughout the wilderness, even while Moses is receiving the commandments, the people at the bottom of the mountain are worshiping a golden calf. They won't keep Sabbath. They won't honor their parents. They won't, they won't honor the integrity of their neighbor's property nor the virtue of their neighbor's spouse all of which necessitated an elaborate sacrificial system to cover sin in the meantime. The thing is, we are not so different from the children of Israel. We sin just as they did. And so, in 1539, when John Calvin brought his first Psalter to his congregation in Geneva, he included a sung version of the Ten Commandments. It was a version that he collaborated, that he wrote, collaborating with one of the great French poets of the time, Clement Marot. Listen to it and notice the feel that it has. And after every verse, there is a Kyrie eleison, Lord have mercy. Uh, for those of you who are musically uh, minded, major key, minor key, right, minor key, sort of a, it's a mode, but it's, it has a minor feel to it. It's got a little bit of a dirgy feel to it, doesn't it? 
because the commandments convict of sin. Along those lines, Vincent van Gogh painted the scene of the tomb of Lazarus with Jesus breaking in, about to raise Lazarus from the dead. And as van Gogh did from time to time, he painted himself into the picture. And he paints himself as Lazarus, dead, just lying there. All the colors are, are washed out and pastelish. And Van Gogh's face is all, it's pale, it's gaunt. You can tell that it's Van Gogh because he's got, it's got the characteristic orange beard that was, that was him. And what he's saying is, I know that I am a spiritual zombie. I want to live a certain kind of life, but I don't find the capacity within myself to do that. That's the first thing the commandments do for us, is convince us that without God's work in our lives, we are the walking dead, walking in our trespasses and sins, the walking dead. What I'd like you to do is, is do a prayer exercise with me. What I'd like to do is I'd like to pray through the substance of the Ten, Command, Ten Commandments in that aspect, the aspect in which they persuade us, they confront us with our sinfulness. And what I'd invite you to do, whether you're here or at home or in your local coffee shop, is to, well, you may not want to do this in local coffee shop, is to kneel and hold out your arms in a, in an, in a posture of repentance and reception of God's goodness. I'll give you a second to do this. You may wish to close your eyes and, and just uh, feel the words, let them go to your heart and let them help you personalize prayers that, that, um, prayers that I offer here. As the heavens point beyond themselves to the glory of their creator, so Lord, all the statutes, the commandments, the judgments, the testimonies shed a searchlight on my own soul, bringing to light my heart offenses and my secret faults. You shall not worship false gods, nor the true God vainly, say commandments one through three. And yet without you, Lord, I worship lesser things. I worship whatever or whomever I think it is who can bring me power and pleasure. Lord, have mercy upon me. You shall keep Sabbath, says commandment four. And yet without you, Lord, I know no rest for body or soul. I run myself ragged, for the work is never done. Or I slothfully fritter away time on the pseudo-rest of binging at my screen. Lord, have mercy upon me. Honor your father and your mother, says commandment five. And yet, without you, Lord, I don't care a fig for the aged and the infirm. I'm quick to forget the wisdom and the expertise of those who've gone before me. Lord, have mercy upon me. 
You shall not commit murder, says commandment six. And yet without you, Lord, I harbor murderous thoughts against those who stand in my way. Lord, have mercy upon me. You shall not commit adultery, says commandment seven. And yet, without you, Lord, my heart and my eyes wander down forbidden paths of longing. For some of us, those are paths of airbrushed physical beauty. For some of us, those are paths in quest of a fantasy person who will pick up their own socks and listen rapturously to the details of how my day has gone. Lord, have mercy upon me. Commandment 8 says, you shall not steal. And yet, without you, Lord, my life is a study in take, take, take. Lord, have mercy upon me. You shall not bear false witness, says commandment 9. And yet, without you, Lord, I bend truth to my own interests. I block out voices that would challenge my view of things. I listen only to voices that confirm my prejudgments and pass along my prejudices. Lord, have mercy upon me. You shall not covet, says commandment 10. And yet, without you, Lord, I desire anything except what I already have. I look at what others have and my envy makes me crazy imagining that what's theirs could be mine. Lord, have mercy upon me. Without you, Lord, I am spiritually as dead as Jesus' friend Lazarus lying in his tomb. Lord, have mercy upon me. Amen. You may be seated again. Enter Jesus in John's gospel. John records one of the most dramatic moments in all of scripture in this, his second chapter. Here is the one that he has introduced in his first chapter as God tabernacling among us, God tenting, God having pitched a tent among us showing up at the house that was made to, going, going to the temple that was made to house God's very presence. And here is God's presence. And he's come to see if he's welcome in his own house. And lo and behold, he is not. Instead of a house of prayers, bringing God's life, God's life and people's life together, Jesus finds an emporium for merchants. Instead of a sanctuary for those who would humble themselves in the presence of the glory of God, he finds a monument that's been 46 years in the building, a monument to the ego of Herod. Instead of a venue of offering sacrifice, he finds an entrenched Sadducean resurrection aristocracy. And so he declares, destroy this building, and in three days I will raise it up. And what he means is, I am going to lay my arms out on a hard, cruel cross to bear all of this and to take it away and then to rise and to build, to be, begin the building of a new building 
a new and final temple made up of living stones to be a place where God is honored, where there is peace, and where people learn by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to love God and to love their neighbors. I'm going to be the place where God and humans meet. And by my spirit, I am going to write God's laws on their very hearts. Seven years after Calvin brought his dirgy feeling, Ten Commandments, to Geneva, he collaborated with Louis Bourgeois, who was the music leader at the time in Geneva, and wrote a different kind of Ten Commandments. One that they would sing halfway through, then they would confess their sins, and then they would sing the other half, and the stress is on and incline our hearts to keep this law. Listen to this version of the Ten Commandments. Major or minor? Major. Dirgy or jiggy? Jiggy. In fact, it has a dance meter from the time. This, is, this song would be representative of the kind of thing that made Queen Elizabeth sneer at what was coming out of Geneva, Geneva where she called them Geneva jigs. This is the law as declaring what it can be the delight of our hearts as we come to know the Savior who loves us. For John Calvin was a, theolog a theologian, along with the rest of the Reformers, a theologian of God's consoling grace, but he also stressed the power of God's transforming grace. Along those same lines, Vincent van Gogh from Calvinistic um, 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 Holland, the Netherlands, painted another picture from Jesus's ministry. This time, the Good Samaritan, the Good Samaritan, painting himself once again into the painting. Now, you might think that Van Gogh would paint himself in as the, the, the man who had been left on the side of the road who has to be rescued, but no, Van Gogh paints himself as the Good Samaritan and he is robust, the colors are full, his face is all, is all fleshed out, his, the body is muscular, and it's a vibrant orange beard again. It is the aspiration of Van Gogh to be able to live the life of strength and courage and love of God and love of neighbor that the Ten Commandments are pointing to. So I'd like you to let me do a second exercise of prayer with you, this time stressing the and incline my heart to keep this law side of the commandments. This time, I'd invite you, well, you may continue to sit, or if you like, you are welcome to stand and lift your arms up in a receptive posture. With you raising me from the spiritual death, a phony worship, Father, 
I delight in being in the company of your people, joyfully responding in the Holy Spirit as your welcoming Son leads us by word, hymn, prayer, and sacrament into your holy presence and incline my heart to keep this law. With you raising me from the spiritual death of ignoring Sabbath rest, Lord, I honor the fact that you have created us for a rhythm of work and rest. I find satisfaction in the labor you set before me because I find you in the quiet places in between. I find in you, Lord Jesus, rest for my soul and incline my heart to keep this law. With you raising me from the spiritual death of dishonoring father and mother, Lord, I give thanks for those who brought me into this world, nourished and launched me, and I forgive whatever I feel may have been lacking. I honor and care for those who've gone before me just as I honor you and incline my heart to keep this law. With you raising me from the spiritual death of a murderous heart, Lord, I see in my neighbor not a block to my own ends, but as a fellow bearer of your image, someone whose life not only that I do not wish to take, but someone whose life I wish to enhance and incline my heart to keep this law. With you raising me from the spiritual death of an adulterous disposition, Lord, I find myself, whether married or single, taking satisfaction in just what your provision is. I give myself to defining beauty in terms of the reality before me and to loving the people around me for who they actually are and incline my heart to keep this law. With you raising me from the spiritual death of stealing, Lord, I give myself to finding ways that I can be a giver instead of a taker, of being generous rather than miserly, and incline my heart to keep this law. With you raising me from the spiritual death of covetousness and of lying, Lord, I know deep satisfaction in all that you provide. Where I live, with whom I live, what I own, and I delight in my neighbor's well-being as well. And write all these thy laws in our hearts, we beseech thee. With you raising me from spiritual death, Lord, I find within myself the capacity to love you, to love my neighbor as myself, and for that I give you eternal thanks. Now, friends, receive these words from Brother Jude. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to make you stand without blemish in the presence of his glory with rejoicing, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen.